Welcome on, thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, the podcast focusing on things pro soccer, the DMV. My name is Jose Omaña, sports writer for the Sports Pulse, and joining me as always is Mario Amaya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. I'm just tuckered out because finally we got Premier League soccer and more soccer coming along this weekend. Yeah, I'm glad you're awake. I wish I was asleep, but I digress. <laughs> Normally, we'd be more jokey. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this has just been a crazy week in soccer here in the nation's capital. So let's just jump into it. Makes no sense of beating around the bush. On on Tuesday, the Washington Spirit had announced that former head coach Richie Burke had resigned from the club as their head coach and would be reassigned to the front office. It said it was some health-related concerns, according to Larry Best, from the, the team's president of sporting operations. Then a bombshell happened, and that was the Washington Post's investigative report Wednesday that came out, which alleged a pattern of verbal abuse, including racial and sensitive jokes, and the use of the N-word by, Ms. by Burke himself. The club announced right away after the post uh, story came out that they would be suspending Burke and conducting an investigation with the league into the allegations of Burke. In the meantime, the team still had a game to prepare for for Friday in which they took on the Houston Dash, took an early 2-0 lead to only ultimately end up with the 2-2 road draw. Before we go into specifics, like Mario, what was your immediate reaction to Everything that happened this week, from the the resignation to now what we possibly think is the reason for the resignation, there is something to note that Mr. Burke has not responded to these allegations, but I do think it's worth telling that the spirit were quick to say we're starting an investigation, but we have to say Richie Burke has not responded to the allegations presented by the Washington Post. So, Mar, what are your thoughts on just everything that's transpired with the Spirit over the past week? You know that meme where the guy just uh, opens his eyes and blinks his eyes and then opens his eyes in a panic because everything just goes in a split second? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that has kind of been me with the Spirit this week. It, it's been crazy, to be honest with you, because it was one thing that you take the resignation, like, oh... This sucks, you know, hope he feels better, blah, 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 right? But then the next day when you hear the – when the Washington Post drops the the uh, flex bomb on, on the spirit, if you will, and just with everything that's, that is highlighted on the article, you're just like, yeah, buddy, this went bad real quick and in a hurry. And on top of that, if you're a spirit player going into this week, your original thought on Monday is like, we got to prepare for a bounce back against the Houston Dynamo. Sorry, the Houston Dash. My apologies. We have a game this week. Then all this happens. What am I supposed to do? You play the game, you're up 2 nothing. And then you can't. Then then they then the dash come back and tie this game. Man, if that is a personification, how if this has gone for the spirit this week, I don't know what has. It's been ups and downs and all this craziness. I don't. I don't know where where. For me personally, I was just like, I sat there flabbergasted and just utterly shocked at the at the allegations at first but then i had to reread the story and just go this does not look good at all it's a horrible look not just for richie burke but for the spirit as an organization yeah let i want to touch on that in a second but like i agree with you in that take it's like i remember before the pandemic just being at audi field um, was part of a media day with Burke and ownership. And it was the first time that I had had a chance to speak to ownership. And 
And they had just had this story with The Athletic about, oh, we want to be the the best club in the world. The best club in the world doesn't have any of these allegations just pop out and and come at them the way it has. And, I mean, let's be fair. And I think, to get personal, you and I, we've been dealing with personal issues in our families where a health issue is a real legitimate reason, whether it's to miss work or having to cut back your hours or this, that. We've done a year and a half of COVID. We've we've seen the athletes at the Olympics say, oh, I had to think about my mental health. So in this new era, you think, oh, I have to respect someone's decision in saying, oh, it's it's health-related reasons. You told his bosses, the bosses actually care. Because that's what the spirit had been portraying for the past two, two seasons with Burke at the helm. However... Once you read what happened and then you go back and you study, for those who don't know, there were allegations in 2008 when Richie Burke was a youth academy coach about similar behavior. You just think and you go, it's the same cycle happening again. And so that the spirit should have saw this coming and took in the allegations from the first time to when they hired Burke three years ago more seriously. But instead, it's the repetition of what old ownership used to do and sweep it under the rug, and then now, now that's alleging my opinion from my standpoint that they knew this was happening. Now, here's what ownership said, and we'll get to what the post said in a second. But this is what they said after the post story dropped. This is from team owner Steve Baldwin on the heels of the announcement by Richie Burke. He was resigning. He's watching the post reporter contact and spirit with allegations of mistreatment, verbal and abusive leveled at players by coach Burt. We take these allegations seriously and are undertaking immediate investigation. Burt has been suspended pending an investigation is prohibited from talking to contacting players and staff in our facilities. We as a team will not tolerate any situation of our players and staff that is less than professional. Our athletes and all of those who we support deserve the absolute best. If you come out with this statement now, it means to tell me, you weren't prepared for this, but based on what happened after the post story drop, where you had like two or three trialists come out on Twitter say, yeah, I seen this. I felt this. Those were people putting their names on it. And we don't even know if they were part of the post story that to- tells me that the club knew this was going on and either chose to ignore it because of results or chose to ignore it because they like Burke. If you like Burke, that's, you, ha- you know what you're you're putting yourself into. We see it in world soccer all the time. You take the bad to keep the good because you think it's going to drive results. But in this case, I just feel like you knew this. Don't act like you didn't know this. And that statement shows me that they didn't know it. But clearly by the responses of players not even covered in the story because it was – we'll get to who was and what it was alleged alleged in a second. But – to pretend like you didn't know is is it it screams please believe me <laughs> it's it's disingenuous to your audience and i refuse to believe they didn't know yeah i think that that statement right there is kind of like you're kind of feigning ignorance as a as an organization in pretending you didn't know what was going on i believe that they kind of knew that something was going on to some level of extent. And yeah, not only that in 2018. So yeah, there, there's, a, there's an out. There's been two separate allegations of him being verbally abusive. In like say 15, 20 years ago, you know, mental health, mental health in athletes wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Now, and more than ever, I got to say this. Sports is a people business. You gotta treat you you gotta treat people with like certain level certain levels of, of respect or just pretty much they'd respond differently to different to different kind of uh to to different ways on you how you approach them. Meaning you got you gotta know how to approach a player. Like not all people are gonna be are gonna be there's a difference between tough love. And then just be, and pardon my French here when I say an absolute dickhead and yelling at someone's face. 
there, there's a fine line between that. And again, this is a people business. Yeah, you could come approach it in with tough love, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to come up with something constructive to say or you or you know, people will respond to tough love in certain ways and you got to find different ways on how people respond to whatever criticism you have for them. Now, just being absolute douchebag does not help you in getting better results out of your players, staff, or employees, what have have you in any aspect of life. It'll grow some level of resentment, and obviously it'll grow for people not to like you even more. And being that Richie Burke has two past allegations with youth players, that's kind of a it's kind of like a warning sign, and you kind you should have addressed it as an organization if you're the spirit to kind of nip it in the butt a little bit. But like I said, the, the them saying we don't know we did not know this was going on, or them doing their investigation, you're just kind of feigning ignorance here. And on top of that, when you came out with the store, when you came out with the press release on Monday saying he was stepping back for health concerns. And then the Washington post decides to drop this bomb on you the following day. That's kind of a bad look. It's kind of a bad look all around. Yeah. I mean, we might as well just touch on it. The Washington post story that came out Wednesday, the detailed allegations that he will allegations from former player, Kaya McCullough, who was their 2020 draft pick. Um, she quit the team right after the bubble, uh, right before they started the fall series, um, what she describes as verbal and emotional abuse by Burke, she told the Post that Burke made her hate soccer. She's currently not playing. She she attempted to play in Germany after leaving the Spirit, and obviously now it didn't work out. Or she, she admits to the Post she just couldn't play soccer anymore. She... Basically quit the game because of the behavior that Burke displayed to her. Um, she was one of four players who the Post spoke to for this piece. The other three were spoke, spoke anonymously. They all left the team in the last two seasons due to Burke's abuse. The Post acknowledged, and if you really want to be a sleuth, you probably could find out. Post makes it clear that none of these players end up becoming starters in other teams. So you can go sleuth if you want. I prefer to just leave them anonymous. What I found interesting was, like I mentioned earlier, the trialists coming out. There were two players. I don't remember their names, but they came out on Twitter. Just like, yeah, I was a trialist there. One day there, I immediately called my mom said, yo, this is what's going on. She's like, why do you want to do that? Why do, why do you want to deal with that kind of professional behavior being displayed to you? You're better than that. And she decided not to join the spirit. Um, but more of the allegations, uh, two players alleged that he, they received abusive treatment from Richie Burke. One player alleged that when she was subbed out, Burke yelled at her for 20 minutes during a preseason game. Uh, he was described as unbelievably volatile and prone to screaming inches away from their faces, treating the, calling them dog shit and a waste of space. Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, look, you can call, look, I come from the era of covering college, college and high school football, where some of these coaches say, you will go back to these streets if you don't listen to me. I'm used to hearing that. But when you're screaming, inches into someone's face it's like man first off i don't know if you got bad breath second off you gonna come at me screaming in my face like we're gonna have problems <laughs> we're gonna have you problems will see, I'm, you ever not and i there's some people out there like you ever scream in their face and this is what i mean different strokes for different folks if you ever scream in certain people's faces they can scream at you back or in street terms, they will see you, you will see them with these hands or give them these hands. It, it, it's it's amazing to me with allegations that man, he allegedly got away with a lot of this for two or three years. 
And Kaya said it, like her quote to the post, I read the allegations and I was immediately like, how did this guy get fired? Those seem like credible allegations, but it feels like they pushed everything. They pushed that to the side and nothing came of it. I got the impression that people didn't care. Now, one, Burke was hired before new ownership came in. Well, he was hired when Baldwin was making the transition. So he was in effect, part of the hiring process. That enough said, when some of this stuff comes out, like, for example, last year when they were practicing and preparing for the bubble, we spoke to them, and I'm vividly remembering hearing Richie Burke talk about his relationship with Ashley Sanchez, where he tries to yell at her and bark at her, and basically she goes, I ain't taking that shit, and yells back at him. Like, some players could deal with that. Like, I know some managers want that. But when the players, like, I I would think on the training field, it's got to be different. You can't be just outright talking and saying things and belittling people and not expecting a bite back. Also, and I think you and I discussed this when the first reports of him resigning came out. The results weren't getting there. This, this again. This is a. Club this was at the, This was in the midst of a three-game losing streak. If we're, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like, there like were two five, of these long. Yeah, there were five, five and three, and like you said, three-game losing streak. Two of those losses coming in separate. Like. Right. And, and what's funny to me is, and when I when I first got when we first got the press release for that said. Richie Burke was stepping down. I was like, hmm, this may, I'm like, this may be some other line, another reason that he got let go, not necessarily for health concerns, whether being a result, result wise or something external had happened. I never really pictured this because anybody who's covered this spirit or in my, in my case, I've only I've just recently started covering the spirit and due to the pandemic you can't be at practices every day so you get the most of the interactions you get are through pressers most of the interactions with Richie Burke were you know pretty friendly so he could he strikes me a little he struck me a little bit as a volatile guy but not to the level that was explained in the uh in the in the in the piece written by the post so it, it came as a bit of a shock to me at first. Again, it hit me like, wow, I, he never struck me as this kind of person. But I had to read it at least one or two more times ago. Wow, he actually did all this. And I think, and I think that, that you, made a play, you verbally abuse a player to the point where she doesn't want to play soccer anymore at any kind of level in Kaya's case. Yeah, that's a bad look. That not only is it a bad look, that 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 met that messes with someone psychologically, messes with their mental state. Again, the importance of of the of uh, mental health with athletes nowadays is so huge. And again, people made a big deal out of it during the Olympics when Simone Biles got the twisties and didn't participate for most of for most of the. Uh, most of the gymnat of uh, most of the what was the gymnastics realm of the Olympics, blanking on the word here, but you know through gymnastics competitions in the Olympics. So, it one it kind of brings awareness to that, but two, everything that was said in this article, including the rate the racism the racism that was kind of a little bit buried in this article <laughs> a little bit. Me and you off off record kind of discussed this. The plaque, the fact, if I'm not mistaken, during the article, he did they did mention there's a, a African American player that got like an eye injury, and Richie Burke just blatantly said black eyes matter. Yeah, I was just about to bring up. Yeah, there's that. There was the idea that he said he told uh, Spirit players, um posing themselves and kneeling he said they should put a white practice dummy 
on their knees, basically mimicking what the officer did to George Floyd. Um, first off, we, when reading it, you don't even expect the racism. That's how buried it was because you're, you, we're, we see the, the mental abuse. And, and as a person who's written these investigative pieces, it's because you don't want to put everything that's unproven. That you don't have multiple sources talking about it. Um, and in this case, this is all Kaya's recollection, whereas everything else that was in the top, like other players verified. I'm not saying Kaya's wrong. I'm saying that's the reason why the writer wrote it that way. But it was just telling that that's how much was going on. That the racism was buried. Like, oh yeah, and he did some racist shit too. This, <laughs> like, no, like not like, only did he verbally abuse his players. Oh, let's throw in a dollop of racism over here, pretending it's a joke during a time where people were protesting the death of, the, of George Floyd, an African-American man who was killed by a cop because he decided to put his knee on his neck. And then, you know what, let's make a joke out of it and say, yeah, you know, you guys are mimicking and doing this for the knee. I'm like, bro, what is, uh, first when I wrote, when I read that, I was like, bro, what in the fuck is wrong with you? And second off, yeah, again, we're seeing, we're going on basically on strictly optics here. It's a horrible look for Richie Burke. And also, it's like, I'm not going to get into particulars of where I work, but like, they there's a reason why there's things called sensitivity training or diversity training. And, yeah, it clearly, so and, and it's clear that the spirit needs some diversity training. <laughs> if it wasn't clear during the bubble when everybody but one player nailed, like, it's like, because. <laughs> I only bring that up just because it was just the irony of everything going on and how they were in the bubble. And you make this joke when the world is basically on fire. The timing is terrible. But in the response, you know, the spirit, we were wondering if the spirit were going to have their usual presser. They did not. They normally have a presser the game day before uh, home and away games. Um, just like a lead in if you have to write a story. They did not have one this week. Um, waited for the end of the match against the Dash, a 2-2 result. I mean, all we can really say, and I think you probably agree with me, is that you could tell that they were highly motivated. Uh, they went out with a blaze of fire those opening 50 minutes, get on a two-goal lead. Uh, Paige Nielsen Paige, and Tori Houston scored their first goals of the season. Well, Paige is her first NWSL goal. I mean, she she does she's not known for scoring goals. Like she's a center back. Like and right. she got she hit a very very good shot from outside the box. So uh, it was good good on her and Huser. I mean, they just gave her an island to run through. Like I don't know what the defense is doing there. She literally ran. If, from you're from, if you're if you're from Texas. She essentially just ran through a sandbar in Galveston, Texas, which is about 45 <laughs> minutes away from Houston. Or if you want to go further down the Gulf of Mexico, South Padre Island. Uh, she had enough space to run deep at the heart of the Dash's defense and just a perfect finish. And I think what happened is like everything was compounding from the week. We don't know what all these players feel. We don't know what other players feel like. I don't blame the spirit. We'll get into what they're doing to 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 quell their how the players feel in a second. But uh, Chris Ward, uh, who's one of the assistants with Paul Crittenden, he was assigned the assistant. Well, they, they didn't even give him really an interim tag. They just said he's running the team. He's one of the assistants on the team. Here are his comments post the 2-2 draw against Houston related to how the week went overall. It was a... It was superhuman for a lot of them to, to deal with everything that we dealt with this week, to 
you know, come down here, uh, deal with the circumstances and, and, and put in the effort. And I think that was just the first thing that we talked about. You know, the, the first point that we talked about was being hard to beat. Uh, and, you know, from that standpoint, as far as, you know, emotions and managing these players have you know, throughout the years and throughout this season and then again throughout this week you know they're asked to do so much and it's really remarkable um given everything it's really remarkable you know how they've come together to support each other um how they've come together to try and you know fly to houston in august with the heat and deal with the things that they deal with i mean it's a hard push for anyone um to to be in in houston in august and so you know from paul and myself we're we we really couldn't ask for more um from them that is chris ward um i mean we watched the game. Mario, you watched the game. I just felt that they exact everything they had in 50 minutes and had nothing left. But what's your take on what you saw? Man, they blew a two-goal lead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They blew a two-goal lead. I mean, that, that's- that, that's how you take it. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, sorry, so I apologize if that's how I take it as my first reaction. But everything was going so well for them in the first 50 plus minutes of the game. And you just sit there and go, like, wow, the defense totally flout is totally floundering here. And then. Go, go. <laughs> But, you know, they got the draw to Houston. And, and, and so that, that's the good news. They got to point out all this. But it could have been a whole lot worse because, yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, they felt they, they, almost, they, they almost blew it. You know that meme where Ralph Wiggum is, go, is just chuckling, going, I'm in danger? Yeah, that was the spirit from about the 60-something minute on. Yeah, I think the substitutions were off. I thought Trinity Raman coming in didn't really add anything. She started on the second half. Um, she did have an injury the game prior, um, causing her to leave the game early, and I think they were just trying to play it safe ever. And, we again, we don't know how these players were feeling, and maybe she was even up for the game. You just felt watching it like, yeah, they used up all their energy and that's for 50 minutes. And then from there, it was like, tr- let's try and survive. I thought the first half, Takarada was probably the best player on the field, the way she was playing as a right back or left back. Like her playing defensively, even though she's a striker, it was just. I think, I think like, as a unit, the Spirit were playing really, really well in the first right. half. First half. Uh, first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, they kept it, mo- they kept it rolling. They kept going with the same. They kept going with the same tempo. Just after the second goal, it just like gradually went down. And you're right, the substitutions didn't help the spirit. While it's for the Houston Dash, on the other hand, the substitution patterns, in particular, bringing in Michaela Abam, who is from Houston, by the way, helped. And boy, did she come in with gusto. They, the defense had no answers for Michaela Abam. Well, the second goal was really based off a mistake. Like, both center backs come together for a loose ball. Paige Nielsen goes to clear it. It bounces off her other defender. And it goes right to Bam's feet. And Bam, at that point, is in front of an open net with Bledsoe. Like, all she's got to do is beat Bledsoe. And Bledsoe's already caught flat-footed. So as long as you hit it low and you make her have to stretch, you're going to score. And so all she had to do was just keep it low. If you're going to hit it high, make her guess the wrong way. But otherwise, hit it low, hit it to her weak side, and you're going to score. And that's what she did. She hit it low, made her stretch, hit it on her weak side, and she scored. I it, The second goal was, yes, off a mistake, but a mistake like that doesn't happen if you're not, like, 
fatigued out of your mind. And that's that's what I'm saying. I I think if Paige sees her own defender coming in with like a weird slide tackle, she's not just trying to clear it out. You know what I'm saying? I think she's smarter. We'll hold the ball, maybe stretch it out to the wing backs. And also you have to think about it. Paige this year has not been a starter until the Olympic players left. So that would have probably been Emily Sonnet in that role uh, with Paige. And I think Emily Sonnet would have been much more clear level-headed in that situation. Uh, Kelly O'Hara didn't play in this game as well. Um, We're missing three players from the Olympics still. Uh, We've been told that they should be back for the upcoming week. We'll see. <laughs> and that's got to be interesting. You're at home. You're relaxing from the Olympics. And, oh, your coach is fired. And, oh, he's being alleged with some things, um, which you probably already knew or probably were ignoring because, let's be real now, things that happen tend to happen to the lower level, the lower end players. And when you're stars, you tend to – we see it in all sports. The stars tend to yeah. know what's going on with, with the lower-tier players. And so we'll see. I thought that it was good that the that Ward responded. He didn't outright respond to everything. There was a moment that we'll get to. But he did give you somewhat of a yeah. – of a clear picture of what this or what the team morale is looking like. Yeah. After just the craziness that's been it, that's been for a week for the Washington Spirit. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, we get more answers down the line as the investigation continues. Yeah, Let, let's hear from a couple of players first. Let's hear from Harper Bledsoe and her thoughts on the week and the game in general we're we're a resilient bunch it's it's been emotional um but we stuck through it or stuck with each other through everything um we've got um some great resources available to us um a lot of support within the club and organization so um yeah we're just leaning on each other and um i know we'll get through this and it's been a good good energy um i know you guys saw it there the first half i thought we looked really good, really proud of us and the way we fought. I think we just kind of ran out of steam. So, um, you know, all things considered, we'll, we'll take the point, um, rest up, and, and be back next game. Next game will be at Audi Field. Um, I think that would be better for the players to go back at Audi. They kind of mentioned it in the press conference, defending home turf. Uh, we That's just where they prefer to play because it's a grass field versus – DC United has to renegotiate that, right? Where they, they uh, yeah, look, listen. We, we hate traveling an hour to let Leesburg, Virginia, to the middle of nowhere. We hate this place. This doesn't even have proper indoor plumbing. Well, you went. You said that they do. Did, did I say, like, outright indoor plumbing? They've got some sort of indoor plumbing. <laughs> I didn't true. say, yo, they got indoor plumbing in this place. They got some kind of indoor plumbing. Well, I, I look, I think... For their style of play, which is more of a attack possessive minded, not a lot of jumpy ball, flecker with headers. The only time you see them going for headers is when they cross the ball over to Ashley Hatch. Outside of that, you rarely see this team go for headers at all. When there's a goal kick, they kind of just let the other team try to pop the ball in the air and then they control it. Like, they don't really go for headers. So I think. Playing with that wider pitch, playing with on a grassy field where they can control the tempo. It's against Orlando, who they and Spirit have had like a mini rivalry of sorts. Um, and we hopefully they get their stars back and they can rebound. But I do think the biggest problem is this happened when Richie was there two years ago after the uh, World Cup. And it's happening again. The team relies on several players and the depth. It's either there or it's not there. This year, the depth is there. But they still are losing without those players being involved. And they're going to need 
uh, Kelly O'Hara. They're going to need uh, Emily Sané. Um, they're going to need Julia Rodar. Julia Rodar. They're going to need her if they're going to have any chance of getting a playoff run. Um, even through all this turmoil, they still have a good unit. Right, and also Aubrey Bledsoe said it best. Like they, they said that they're going to get through it. So meaning that the the unity and the camaraderie between the team is there. So they're going. I feel like they'll be capable of getting through this situation. It's not an easy situation, obviously, but I, I think they're capable of getting through it and um, playing playing in a uh, in a venue like Audi Field that's been a lot more favorable for you in past results. Definitely helps. Right. Um, just to end this topic, let's just go uh, Paige Nielsen, goal score, and her thoughts of everything's going on. B- before we end this topic, we should say the Spirit have been providing or will be providing uh, mental health help to players, uh, help doctors, um, psychologists, anything they need, according to Chris Ward. Um to deal with everything that's transpired and they will have a couple of days off to spend with family um, or to, you know, just recharge their batteries. They do have eight days off before they play Orlando. So, well, at the time of this recording, they have until um, next, next Sunday to recharge their batteries and to focus. But this is what Paige Nelson said. It was similar than what we've been doing in the past. Um, I think everyone was aware that, that we were going through some, some challenges. Um, so we didn't want to have too much information. Uh, this week was really about being together and focusing on playing as a team together, whether that was pressing or building out. And um, yeah, it wasn't a, a lot different, but um, our mentality was was different where we were just trying to survive and, and, and then succeed. So, um, yeah, it wasn't that different. I have to ask the obligatory question before we move on. Will Richie Burke get another job in the NWSL? <laughs> From the looks of it, hell to the no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can move on. What we have to painfully discuss, and that is DC United traveling to Nashville and get the beat down as CJ Sapong and Alex Mule both score twice to beat DC United 5-2. I mean, there's not really much to say. United did open up the scoring with Frederick Brion scoring off a corner. But after that, it was downhill. Sapong scored twice. Then it was uh, Mukatari who added a goal in the 37th minute that was a screamer just before halftime. Ola Kamar scored DC second. And then after that, it was the Alex Mule show throughout the second half in the 80th and the 87th minute. Uh, he become that was his first multi-goal game since 2019 when he played for the Red Bulls. And CJ Sapong continues his record of tournament against DC United. That is now nine goals against DC United. Uh, the Manassas, Virginia striker has. That is the most in MLS history by one player against another team. Um, Mario, do you have anything you want to discuss about this game? Game or the beatdown of a government mule, as a good old J.R. Jim Ross would say. Um, C.J. Sapong and, Al- and Alex Mule had... Uh, had um, DC United uh, related grievances they wanted to air out, and they each got a brace. Uh, anything else I'm missing here? CJ Sapong continues to torment DC United in his what third or fourth different team. Man, there's there's some things that are consistent: death taxes, and CJ Sapong will score a goal against DC United. It's amazing. Uh, other than that, there is not much to say. This has to be one of the worst performances DC United has had since the San Jose game this earlier in the season. Everything that went wrong or that could go wrong just went horribly wrong for DC United. It's weird because there was such a promising start with the Fred Briant goal early. I want to say it was either the third or fourth minute where they scored. 
And then it just went down the hill from there. There, there. there isn't much to say about it then other than, my God, DC United was caught flat-footed. And um, I can't – yeah, there's not much to say. Uh, usually I have a lot more to say about these games, but there isn't much to say other than it just went – it was just a bad night in the office all around for DC United. Well, versus like for like first like let's talk about the things behind the scenes. We had stream issues throughout the first half. Uh, DC and I had you put out a tweet saying they're trying to fix the streaming issues for those watching online. Um, for those at I, home, I can I can vouch for that. I was watching the game on my phone, and yes, there were some streaming issues. And then if you were just watching the game from home, you could. So Hernan Losada did the risk of resting Andy Nahar for Wednesday's clash against first place New England. And you saw what I always feared of seeing, and that was DC United playing Frederick Briant in the center. And as one of the three center backs, you have to see Birnbaum. That means if he's caught out stretching, it's going to be a problem. So that forces the wing backs to play a little bit more defensive than usual because you don't, you know, you have legit, center backs playing defense now you don't have you have they're they're gonna be slow they're gonna be lumbering that's just how center backs are um but i just felt that the communication wasn't there uh the wing back play was got destroyed all game long by uh the speed attack by nashville and the risk didn't pay off uh resting andy I mean, it will pay off if they beat New England in New England, but that's always a tough place to go, especially with the turf and now the uh, Patriot logos everywhere. Um, it's going to be – it's always a hard place to play. But I, I just – I think that the risk-taking of that alongside of, you know, United missed some early opportunities in the after getting the first goal – they had a chance to go up to nothing. Pariola elected not to take a shot when he had acres of space in, uh, right outside the penalty area. He elected to keep waiting and waiting, and then he ultimately ended up losing the ball. You had uh, uh, Ola Kamara had an opportunity after one it was one one to get a, a shot on target and didn't do it. And it was just those two opportunities stand out to me because. Then you see the results, and you wonder yourself, how different could this match have been? DC would have taken those opportunities that they were hesitant in. And then vice versa. We, I mean, if you look at the defensive side, John Kempen just had a terrible night. I've, I've seen terrible goalkeepers, but I think he just had one of those nights of he, he let the first one in. He couldn't hold on to the save. The second one, he was caught flat-footed. Third one... Gotta give Mukhtar all the credit in the world. He hit that perfectly. I, I had a long argument with my father. I'm like, you're just trying to say that he's having a terrible night. <laughs> Don't blame that third goal on the key. You can't say that was the keeper's fault. That one was perfect. No, that was just a screamer. That was just a perfectly hit shot. Um, but, you know, the other two, you can argue he was either in the wrong position. He should have caught one. He let it slip. It was a lot of those mistakes in you know, I saw a lot of DC United fans going, Kempen can't go back on the field, can he? Remember, Bill Hamid is out for four, at least four more weeks. So it's Kempen, ride or die now, unless you want to go get another goalkeeper or see what else we have on the bench. I don't even remember who else we have Chris on the Seitz. bench. Chris Seitz is on the bench. Y'all want to go to 40-year-old Chris Seitz? I, <laughs> I mean, I don't mind it for one game, but is that what y'all want? I don't know. <laughs> but. It, 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 it's difficult. I mean, in other news, Ola Kamara nabbed his 11th goal of the season. It could have been his 12th. It, had he not hesitated <laughs> on the opportunity he had. But I think the second goal was pretty decent. It was a nicely placed ball by Paul Ariola in the box, and Ola Kamara was able to finish in that time. But... Yeah, even the substitutions kind of fell flat in the second half. He brought in Ramon Wanchope Avila, newest signing for DC United, for, who we picked up from waivers from Minnesota. 
Uh, Edison Flores made his return back to the to the field for the first time since May. Me personally, I wouldn't have brought in Edison Flores. I think I would have rested him and probably brought him into the fold as a sub against against New England. But that that's more of a coach's decision than it than it would have been mine. But yeah, the substitution patterns were on, fell off. Just everything fell off for DC United. And yeah, you, you can't make you can't make the blame on the third goal for John on John Kempin. It was a perfectly struck shot. He was just he just had one of those terrible nights, and sometimes that happens. But man, there there isn't much that you can say there other than yeah, they just had a really bad night. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they got exposed defensively and then offensively. When they had chances, they didn't score or take advantage of the space or take advantage of just the the eagers of opportunities they had. There were we saw the press conference and there was nothing I could really, there was no audio I could play because it was more of the same feeling. It was like it happened. We got our butts with, and there's nothing we can add to that. This was in. Correct me on who spoke in the press conference. Julian Gressel spoke, and he said, "You know, we got our butts kicked. Have said we got to be like goldfish and just move on, to forget about it, move on to the next one." And I think that's honestly what they had to do because they're going against New England. New England's the top team in the league, top team in the support show race. And if you save Dandy for that reason, you better be ready for New England because they're no joke. They are continuing. They've been the only team that I've seen throughout the season who have you've seen outside of DC that have really seen consistent improvement day by day, game by game. And Bruce knows what he's doing up there, and now they're in the lead in the supporter show race. Right, and this is a team that has that's really offensively sound, especially considering their forward line of Adam Buxa. And Gustavo Bo, two guys that absolutely know where to find the back of the net when need be. You have the speed of Tayon Buchanan out in the wings. And then you have a leader in defense that pretty much makes them defensively sound in Andrew Farrell. And you've got Bruce Serena, who pretty much just has this team clicking at the right time, has, has had them clicking throughout the entire season. And Correct me if I'm wrong, DC United has had some difficulties playing out at Gillette Stadium. So this isn't going to be an easy game. And heck, well, last season when they needed a win in New England, they couldn't get it in a game that was um, best, say, best described as a scene from a JoJo music video. It was raining. It was hailing. It was, it, it was a really tough and go. It was a tough game. Those games are never easy, but yeah, you've got to be on your P's and Q's when it comes to playing New England because they're no joke. They're, they're no joke this season. There's a reason why they are top of the Eastern Conference, top top of the Supporter Shield race. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be an easy game. It's never it never has been an easy game, and I think they need to come up with a much more better need to uh, shake up the cobwebs from this game and just have a much more better performance than they did against Nashville. Yeah, right now New England leads with 43 points. Their closest competitor is Kansas City at 37. So this is the team to beat if you're D.C. United. And also it's the first of three potential playoff games or playoff teams that United is playing against. You have the game against New England. You have this Saturday back out of field against Atlanta, who is suddenly reemerged after they won't beat LAFC this weekend. And you have Philadelphia again. In Audi, you have two games in Audi, but you have this one in New, New England. A draw is the minimal you hope as a fan, but you know, hopefully this was the the time to get the butt whipping if you're going to get it. You know, this was the butt whipping so that you can go out there and play the game of your life against New England. So that's how I take it. I, you know, Carl Russell said something similar, so. Hopefully, the biggest lesson I see is the the defensive pairings and how they look and are shaped up. That has to be fixed. And if you really are, this is the reason why you banked on keeping Andy 
away from the field today against Nashville, it better work. It better appear these next two matches. Oh yeah, because again, if you're you're if if it doesn't work against New England, there's going to be a lot of questions going forward. Well, not, we're not saying Hernandez in trouble. We're just no, saying, it's not. It's not in trouble, but you'd have to question. You'd have to question the lot. You'd have to question well, his lineup choices a little more afterwards. Is what I'm trying to get at. Even though I guess the center back pairing of Birnbaum and Briant was kind of questionable today, and it unfortunately didn't work out for him. And so, and so, yeah, you're not only not only are you going against New England, you're going against Atlanta at home, who's got a brand new head coach in Gonzalo Pineda. Remember that guy? So I think he will have. They haven't confirmed yet. They said two weeks, but there was also some rumblings, according to Univision, during the match. Um, that he may start a week earlier, so he may st- his first match could be against DC United. There you go, and remember, Gonzalo Pineda was a front runner to get the DC United job beforehand. And if you haven't read how, where he had his interview to get the Atlanta job, yeah, you you should read it and be amazed. Uh, but yeah, it's not going to be easy. So I, I I think they need. Like we've said it, they need to shake the cobwebs. I don't mean to sound repetitive here, but they need to shake it off, as Mariah Carey would say, and uh, come in with a brand new attitude against New England on on Wednesday night. Yep, and we're gonna come in with a different attitude, hopefully, that in the next podcast. This is very intensive and heavy, so we're gonna call it a day here. So. Before we close out the show, Mara, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to find out what I'm working on or just want to know what I'm doing on my daily life because I'm so I'm so interesting and awesome, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. You want to find out about the lady, latest things going on in the world or just in the DMV, you can follow El Tiempo Latino too at, on Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to keep me fresh like lettuce and keep uh, some change in my pocket, you could go to your local newsstand or your local metro station to pick up a hard copy today. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. And you can go to thesportsbolts.com for all your local sports content and photography. Special shout out, as always, to Ken McLeod and Patek for the music in the intro and outro. Remember, rate and subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Battle on Braves MC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.